Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, we're recording. Hey, guys, welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui again. I'm here with Dr. Edwin Porras. I said that. I, I, I think I nailed that, did I? You got it, man. You got it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Uh, first of all, uh, thank, you for, thank you for coming on. I know how busy you are, uh, and I know how it is. You know, everyone's trying to request time in August when it's like peak draft season, especially it's past the middle of August right now. Uh, but uh, doctor is from uh, fantasypoints.com. Uh, you know, just want to say one thing about them. They have an amazing team over there. A lot of analysts that I respect greatly. When you talk about relevant fantasy conversation and analysis, that's where it's at. Uh, this is not an ad. <laughs> this is, I just genuinely think a lot of what they're doing over there is legit. Like if you know the guys over there, you know that they're putting out good stuff. Um, and, and doc, you particularly add a ton of amazing insight to these players analysis uh, when it comes to injuries, long-term health, short-term prognosis, and how it can affect players' fantasy football season. So uh, can you tell us just, you know, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, how you started, how you ended up at fantasypoints.com, maybe, you know, what you do outside of fantasy, do you practice physical therapy at all, that sort of thing? Yeah, for sure, man. So I, first of all, I do appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Um, I, I, I know it seems like, uh, everybody's really busy, but I'm not the only one. Like you, like you said, everybody's really busy. It's not just me. So um, I, I appreciate you having me on and, and even thinking of me to, to, uh, to come on. I feel so bad because <clears throat> I, I'm never on Instagram. You probably noticed that. Um, I'm on Instagram, like, like maybe I've been trying to be better about it, but I'm on Instagram, like maybe three or four times a week. Right. And I don't even check, like, I don't even check my messages. I'm, I'm super bad about it. I think I have like 20 followers on Instagram. Like you've tapped into a market there, man. Like congratulations on that. Cause I went and checked your page. Out. I was like, Oh dude, he's got, he's got some followers following around, but I, I you probably thought I was ignoring you. So I'm sorry for that. I definitely wasn't. No, um, no, I, I, I figured that. And the fact that like, you know, I, I actually commend you for not going on Instagram 18 times a day. <laughs> I just replaced it with mean, Twitter. So it's not that much that, better. No, I get it, man. But the fact that you go on Instagram like four times a week, I commend you, man. That's, I give you props right there. <laughs> well, it's, 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 I got to get better about it because people message me everywhere, but right. yeah, man. So I'm a physical therapist by trade. That's what I do. Um, I'm an orthopedic 
uh, physical therapy resident for Kaiser Permanente. That's getting rolling here pretty soon. And I love sports injury. I love sports performance. Uh, I don't love sports injuries, I guess. I love helping people rehab from sports injuries. Um, I love the NFL. I love everything about it. And it really frames my, um, it frames my perspective in how I play when it, when it comes to injuries. I, I sort of view these players, I think, a little bit differently than most people. Um, I think the general idea in fantasy when it comes to injuries and health is like, well, it's random, right? Everybody gets hurt. Everybody's hurt. When I, when it's really what I'm trying, I've been trying to beat the, beat the table for the understanding that a lot of this stuff isn't random. A lot of it is, but a lot of them isn't random. Like there are patterns and correlations to follow. So um, that's what I've been trying to do. And I'm hope I'm hoping that we can clear up a lot of those, a lot of those uh, sort of misconceptions with some of the dudes we talked about today. Yeah, man. So let's get into it. Um, there are a ton of players to talk about. You know, very curious when you take on a lot of these guys. Uh, I know. Uh, so Miles Sanders wasn't on the show notes that I sent you, but you know, obviously you can't, you can't like uh, predict what his injury is going to be, right? Because they they said that as a lower body injury, he's going to be sidelined in camp for a bit, uh, designated as week to week, which to me doesn't sound like I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't sound like an amazing prognostication when you say week to week. Um, w- when you hear that. Like, is that something that you get concerned with, the fact that we're about less than a month away from the season? You know, it's Doug Peterson. And Doug yeah. Peterson, he's going to do Doug Peterson things. That's what right. he says. He, like, you can't, you can't predict what the, the Eagles are going to do and what their injuries are because Doug Peterson literally said, I think, like three or four weeks before uh, Deshaun Jackson tried to come back the first time. Like three or four weeks before that happened, Doug Peterson's like, yeah, we're, uh, we're week to week with him and we're pretty optimistic this week. It took another month for Deshaun Jackson to even get on the practice field. Right. So it's like whatever he says, you can't really believe. They, the worst case scenario is Miles Sanders has an ankle sprain. This is complete projection. I'm not saying that I know this is what it is sure. um, because he's had them in the past. And like it doesn't seem – if it were an ACL, right, or if it were specifically a high ankle sprain, if it were something along those lines, we would probably know by now but there are also other, some other players that are on that same list. So I wouldn't panic right now. Um, if anything, if you're, if you are in a league with like the handful of, people, of, of managers who are just like panickers and want to like unload Miles Sanders for some reason, I don't know what that anybody's actually doing that. I'd just, I'd go, I'd go and buy because there's really not a, a lot there saying that it's severe. Right. And it, when you look at the injuries of all these guys uh, who are injured right now in the Eagles, it's upper body, upper body, lower body, lower body, upper body. So not, they're not getting specific with anybody. So it's not just Miles Sanders. And this is particularly disappointing to me because I'm so big on Miles Sanders this year. Like his opportunity this year just looks amazing to me. So I, I'm, I'm all in on him, like, at, you know, at the one-two turn. Um, but let, let, let's move on. So a guy who, you know, I'm, I'm, I plan on taking before Miles Sanders, Dalvin Cook, right? And, and I listen to you and I've heard – I've read your articles about Dalvin Cook, and I was high on him last season because, you know, he was over the ACL tear, uh, and the hamstring injury he had in 2018 that was lingering throughout the season could have been a result of him, you know, just basically rehabbing the entire offseason before that. You know, coming into 2019, you know, he wasn't necessarily rehabbing anything. He just had time to get better. So that was kind of my thought process, right, my non-medical thought process on that. So uh, going into this year, um, I read your article at fantasypoints.com. You're a little concerned about his shoulder. Yeah. And so I think the one thing to clarify before we get into the specifics of some players, what we, especially for injury analysis, what matters is process because statistics and randomness are going to happen. 
players, you can't predict when they're going to get injured. You can't necessarily know specifically when and the place and what location they're going to get injured in. So I want to establish that first. Everything is about laying out range of outcomes. And the bottom line is that from a big picture perspective, the, the range of outcomes for Dalvin Cook is sky high. He, if he plays 16 games on a, on a point-per-game basis, the dude could legitimately finish as like top three point-per-game running back um, in the NFL at the end of 2020, right? That's, that's a ceiling. His floor is dislocates his shoulder in week five, plays through it again because he still hasn't had surgery, comes back in week eight, tries to play through it, tries to play through it, dislocates again, he's out for the rest of the season. And he has surgery nine months. He never gets a second big contract. That's the, that's the range of outcomes when it comes to even thinking dynasty wise, that's a potential, that's a possibility. And so I'm not saying, Hey, don't draft Alvin cook at whatever at, at the, at the four or five, right. I'm saying just understand the type of risk that you're taking on by drafting him at that spot. And the, and, and, and the risk is objectively higher than it would be, um, for Alvin Kamara, higher than it would be for Joe Mixon, higher than it would be for Josh Jacobs. Yes, all those guys can get injured too, but specifically the pattern that Dalvin Cook is showing is 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 worrisome and it's quantifiable. And if it's quantifiable, we should use it. That's my opinion. Right, right. And now those those separate those past separated shoulders that he's had uh, documented uh, were those documented or do you infer that based on some video evidence that you've seen? I know that on Player Profiler. You know, I haven't seen that. Um, I know he is saying that he had a right SC joint sprain in week 11, a life, like left shoulder sprain in week 15. But do you look at the video evidence and kind of say that looks like a separation to me? Uh, yeah, so there is it's, – it's semi-important to clarify. A separated shoulder is – and I don't know if you, like, actually do put – do you post videos? You might post the videos, or I'm assuming you do, right? Yes, I do. Or you just – okay, so, right, whatever. I can't see because my – so SC joint right here where your clavicle meets your, your chest, basically AC joints out here. Right. So this joint right here is like basically immovable. It's, it, it's impossible. It just, it doesn't move. It's got very, very little movement. So the fact that he moved, you know, he, he injured that in the first place is, is kind of interesting. But when you talk about a separated shoulder, that's out here. Um, he hasn't had what that we know of separated shoulders. He's had dislocation of shoulders, which is the arm from the shoulder getting dislocated. That's what he's had. And there are, he, those are documented, for him dating back to high school. Um, there are like blurbs about his injuries from high school. And then he dislocated again when he was at Florida state walking up the stairs. And then he dislocated again when he was in pass block at Florida state. So he finally ended up getting surgery the second time around. Then the video of him in 2019 against the chargers, he did the same thing to the left side and he didn't have surgery for it. So it's the dislocations specifically that have you worried about Dalvin cook because the, the best case, his best statistics are 41% of players from college to the NFL end up redislocating. I see. 55% of players in the NFL who dislocate in the NFL redislocate again. So basically you're looking at this range of 40 to 55% of NFL players who have a shoulder dislocation in the past will have it happen again. Again, that's not predictive, but it is, the, those are just the numbers. So you're saying if you draft Dalvin Cook, it might be a good. It might be a good. Or whether you draft Dalvin Cook, Cook, Cook or not, you might want to grab Alexander Madison a little bit later. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, got it. I mean, you know, not to and say maybe draft that, maybe draft Alexander Madison anyway. If you're, you know, regardless. I mean, I think drafting other people's handcuffs this year is a good strategy. It's a great strategy, especially this year. Just it raises your it raises your your ceiling significantly. Um, and hey, listen, 
Don't forget about Mike Boone too. I know a lot of people are going to be, might be a little bit disappointed. You know what I'm saying? Like when Alex, when it's time, Dalvin Cook gets hurt. Like, all right, I got Madison. Here we go. And then Mike Boone just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, that's just, I digress. Um, so Alvin Kamara, I, I want to bring him up. Um, we find out that he, uh, you know, the hearsay is that he tore his MCL last year, right? That, apparently, right? And then he had the high ankle sprain. And I wonder if the sprain, you know, could have been due to some, favoring because of that MCL tear earlier? I don't know. But do we have anything to worry about when it comes to that MCL tear? You know, there's some worry for Kamara just based off of the knee injuries that he's had in the past. And he's had a scope in the past. And then, of course, he either had the MCL. I know pro football doc Mm -hmm. um, thinks that it was PCL. Either way, it wouldn't have had anything to do with the ankle sprain. I When I watched it the first time, um, I watched it a few times. I thought it looked like it would have been an MCL and that's anyway, it does honestly doesn't matter because at this point those would have healed by now, especially if it was an MCL. So we have nothing to worry about when it comes to that. The high ankle sprain, we know that they come players come back on an average 15 days after a high ankle sprain. Um, it's not typically the four to six weeks that's often cited. And when he did come back from that, there's also, um, there's some evidence to show from physicians, team head team physicians that say when players come back from high ankle sprains, that they actually come, they take about four or five weeks to get back rolling and they're actually at a deficit for four four or five weeks after that. So all of those things taken into account and the fact that there's not really a recurrence rate for the issues that Kamara had last year from a health perspective, like Kamara is, is absolutely good, good to go this year. Awesome. Awesome. And and we know like, you know, when when it comes to, you know, Scott Barrett's big on weighted opportunity and when it comes to weighted opportunity, like Alvin Kamara is right up there, you know, just after those top guys. So I'm, I'm big, big on Kamara. So that, that to me, like, I appreciate that. This is why we're having this conversation, right? Because when I hear that sort of thing, to me, I'm just like, oh, man, I don't know. You know what I mean? Um, and then he's going on that plant-based diet, too. So I know you're not a nutritionist, but I don't know. You know what I mean? That, that's <laughs> a little interesting to me. So that's something to watch. Like, right. he, the, the problem, right, with plant-based is that, first of all, there's so many things that could mean, right? I mean, you have personal trainers and, and health coaches who don't have these certifications or have certifications from, like, you know, no, no accreditation or anything. It's just sort of like the wild, wild west when it comes to nutrition and and health and stuff like that. So like plant-based can mean like a hundred different things. It doesn't mean that he cut meat out completely. And the reality is that as long as he is still getting enough protein, regardless of where he's getting it from, um, it shouldn't really be a problem, at least in my opinion. Right. And he he didn't go full Aaron Foster and like just go straight vegan. Right. So it doesn't seem like that's the case. If it was, we would have heard about it because vegans love to do that. Um, (laughs) 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 that's funny um all right so i want to move on to josh jacobs uh they're limiting him in camp uh because i'm assuming because of the shoulder injury um you know he's not i guess a hundred percent full go they're kind of taking him off the field here and there but uh why is this still a thing eight months later yeah i didn't know that can you do you have the specific report of what they're doing because i I hadn't heard that that's all that's literally all it is they're just limiting his reps that's all it is now they and they asked jacobs about it and Jacobs, pretty much all he said was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I don't feel the shoulder at all. So, and that's what I would assume uh, okay. that he didn't feel it. He doesn't feel the shoulder at all. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just curious, like, why is that? Are they just being very, very, very cautiously cautious with him? Yeah, I wouldn't even know. Obviously, I'm not behind closed doors. I don't know. Sure. I don't know his specific medical history. Like, I'm not. I just, from what I read and is documented. I can't imagine that his health is a reason that they would hold him back. That shoulder was a shoulder fracture right. that should be healed by now. Okay. Um, and not, I'm not aware that, that, that Josh Jacobs has any type of like condition that would prevent 
that from being the case. So if they're holding him out in practice, I, I can't imagine there's a, a real medical reason there. But again, this is the first time I'm hearing this, so I'd have to read it. But right off the top of my head, that's my first reaction. Great. Perfect. Um, so you've pointed out in the past that James Conner, you know, his ability to finish games over the past few seasons has been somewhat notable, right? And you pointed that out in your work. Um, now, obviously, he has upside, right, of like a top seven, eight back even top five back if he's healthy and just because of the scheme that he's in and, and obviously, you know, his skills kind of like, you know, uh, are indicative of what he did in the past as well. Like pass catching all three downs, 90% plus of snaps. Right. Um, is, is, is it worth taking a shot on him where he's going? Because he's going relatively late in drafts when you talk about these three down backs, potential backs, right. The Mike Tomlin wants to go back to. Right. Yeah. Um, or are you staying away because of his propensity to get injured? I have less of a problem taking James Conner if I have like at least one running back and two wide receivers. Like maybe not as your RB two, maybe your RB three. Then I'm I'm fine with James Conner. But the thing about James Conner is, and I pointed this out in the injury discount article I did with Scott Barrett at FantasyPoints.com. He is he has finished fewer and fewer games every year. He finished 13, 12 in the nine games last year. And all of his injuries, high ankle, MCL, quad, contusion, and um, maybe not so much the quad contusion, but the he had something else that was connected, the AC joint, the that was connective tissue in nature. We don't know, but it seems like compared to other players, James Conner has a higher propensity to have these connective tissue issues. Is that because of the cancer treatment in the past? I can't say for sure. I'm not saying that's, that's what's going on. I'm saying that's, that's something to consider that he just can't stay on the field because his body makes connective tissue in a different way. It's just more question marks. Like to really zoom out and like say big picture, there are just a ton of question marks around James Conner and enough for me to not really be confident in him because really he's got to, he's got to prove it in my opinion. Like he has to show us that he can stay healthy before I'm willing to take him. Um, one thing that really has shied me away is the fact that going back to the connective tissue stuff, he had surgery on his MCL, uh, MCL tear. It was grade three, complete tear. First of all, those aren't as common, um, as, as you, as we might think anything else is, but only less than 5%, actually less than 5% of those MCL injuries actually require surgery. He needed to have surgery for his, why is his connective tissue seeming to be the problem? Those are all question marks, right? They're all question marks. To, so that's basically to say I wouldn't take him as like my RB2, maybe my RB3 flex, but that's, that's where I'm willing to take personally James Conner. Okay, I got you. So w- when you look at his upside, you're not looking at it like, oh man, his upside is too good to pass up. You're looking at it like, well, his upside is great, but at the same time, he hasn't stayed healthy. So, um, and and it's, like you said, you're correlating it all you know, to kind of like one specific area, which is the connective tissue, and that could be an issue potentially with him right range of outcomes I just don't I don't like taking like I like taking upside and I am like I'm all like Scott Barrett has basically this year convinced me that I need to be less cautious right um, and take bigger swings at the same time I think that you need to mitigate that risk when you can and I think that avoiding James Conner mitigates that risk because I mean if you're going to take upside everywhere and as as often as possible um, you need to it needs to be calculated right and in my opinion a calculated risk um, I think I'd rather take it elsewhere than with James Conner. Okay, gotcha. Now, another guy that, we, that he kind of proved that he was able to stay on the field last year, um, Todd Gurley, right? They're limiting his load in camp, uh, which is something that the Rams did last year with Gurley as well, right? He went on to play a full year 
Um, he's not the same guy, right? He doesn't have those sudden cuts and all that, uh, but can be relatively productive, right? Maintain himself, you know, for the entire season with the alleged arthritis in his knee. Um, now, <laughs> it was interesting, man. Like, they had their first padded practice the other day, and dude didn't even dress for the first padded practice. I'm like, what is going on? Like, that's crazy to me. Is yeah. it? Is it no, is it's not. not. It's, it's, and then that's the thing is that it's not because – Here's what I'm trying to get across with Todd Gurley. If we're looking at like upside, like with James Conner, we have to look at upside with Todd Gurley. And the like James Conner has objective upside. To me, because of Todd Gurley's situation, he's got capped upside. Like right. last year, Todd Gurley finished RB14, I think, in points per game. I, that, I think that's his ceiling this year, to be quite honest with you. I think so too, yeah. Because, because the arthritis isn't going, isn't going away. Um, he didn't dress the first part. This is like the name of the game with this um, um, arthritic knee is load management. You saw that already. He didn't practice the first pad of practice. So I, th- I think the misconception or maybe the, the narrative is that, oh, yeah, the Falcons drafted Todd Gurley and they know they're just going to run him to the ground. I think it's the opposite. I think that an organization that typically splits carries anyway, going back to 2016, said, oh, here's a dude that is going to be cool with splitting carries because it's the specific condition that he has. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to split some carries. So like the, the volume monster that I think people have created in their head in the narrative, I don't think that's the case. I think that they know they're going to have to manage this condition. Um, he's obviously shown physical performance deficits since this condition has come on, and it doesn't go away with time. It's, it's a chronic condition. It, it only gets worse with miles and with time. So I'm just, all of those things are like, even even more so than like with James Conner, at least you're swinging for the fences with James Conner. Like I don't, I think that you're like trying to butt when you when you take Todd Gurley in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a floor play with Todd Gurley, and only in full PPR leagues because we saw how involved Devontae Freeman was last year in the past game. And first, for me, honestly, like I think Devontae Freeman's just washed, right? And they still were able to. He was they were able to involve him a ton in the passing game, even though he didn't see you know a shit ton of. Uh, snaps, right? And I think some, they can do something similar with Gurley. But like you said, Gurley scored 10 plus how, how many touchdowns did he score last year? Like 13? 14 was it that touchdowns? many? I didn't even know it was that yeah, many. Yeah, it was like 10 plus touchdowns last year. And that really kept him afloat, right? And you don't want to depend on that, right? Sure, you can depend on the receptions, right? You can just depend on three, four, five receptions per game. And that's kind of where what you're depending on to keep him afloat as an RB2. So I hear you. Um, you know, with the arthritic knee, it, it's tough to like depend on him uh you, you know he can he can be an rb2 right but he might not be the rb2 that you want um, just volatile yep. yeah um chris carson to me you know this year he's been someone i've been passing on in drafts uh and it's mainly because they added carlos hyde to the backfield he's someone i think can limit carson's workload just a bit um he did get hurt at times carson did over the last two seasons maybe because of his running style and then he also lost a bunch of fumbles last season as well um and around where he's going, there are some three-down running backs that are available where, you know, that I'd rather depend on. But are there injury concerns with him, I guess, maybe due to his running style? Or, you know, he obviously had that hip fracture in week 16 that he, that he is back from. Uh, but just, just curious on your thoughts about, about Carson. I think Chris Carson, man, he's another one of those dudes with, like, more question marks than answers. Yeah. Um, it's a muddy backfield. They drafted DJ Dow. Right? During the DJ Dallas, they took Seattle took yeah, DJ exactly. Okay, and, and they're hyping him up, too. Like, you know, yeah. they're talking about him being, like, a pretty good pass catcher, a pretty good route runner, too. So, yeah. he's coming on third downs. And Chris Carson was playing on third downs last year, too. So, some opportunity will be taken away from, from him there. 
and and you got Rashad Penny who's coming back who's you know highly drafted by the organization coming back at the very latest week six I mean all of these question marks around Chris Carson in general and the fact that 35 percent of well here let me back up seven percent of all hip injuries that happen to players in the NFL are uh Jesus I can't even talk seven percent of, of all injuries in the NFL are hip related. And then 35% of hip injuries, you know, of that sample are, are muscular in nature. So there's so few fractures to the hip that happened. We don't know where the fracture was in terms of anatomical location. We don't know if it was intra-articular, extra-articular, was it in the joint or out of the joint. We don't know what the healing timeframes were. We don't know what the treatment was. We don't know if surgery was on the table and why it was or wasn't on the table. Right. There are just too many questions around why he didn't have surgery. The assumption is because it wasn't a bad fracture, um, but that's not always the case. You know, a lot of times, even surgeons, surgeons won't operate on somebody who doesn't need it or might not benefit from it because it's not, you know, first of all, it's not ethical. Second of all, it doesn't make them look good if they do surgery on a player or a person that doesn't need it. So we just don't know right. a lot. He could go in, refracture it, you know, bottom out. He could play 16 games ball out until Rashad Penny gets back and then maybe delegate be delegated back to like RB, you know, two status. We just, again, range of outcomes versus ceiling. I don't think that the ceiling is high enough to justify the potential loss on volume and carries that, that Chris Carson and the potential for injury again, that Chris Carson brings. Right. Right. Okay. And, and one of those three down backs that I was, you know, looking at at around where he's going is David Johnson. Right, he had this uh, alleged high ankle sprain in week six. Right, that's not that wasn't documented anywhere. I did see it on player profiler, but during the season, it wasn't documented. Um, but he had a back injury as well, right? And that those two kind of played off of each other, you know, as far as like him not performing as well as he could, especially as he did before week six. But is, is the back sprain something that he can get over? You know, I know he had a back injury, uh, I guess early 2018 as well, a back sprain. And, and he wasn't great in 2018 either. Um, so I'm just curious what your thoughts are there. Obviously, I think he can get over the high ankle sprain, but we don't know if that was the issue, right? We, have, we really don't know much. Am yeah, I man, right there's, we don't know much. Yeah, that's what it is, is. I just think, and I hate to say this, and I hope I'm wrong. I just think that, that we've seen the end of, of David Johnson as a productive fantasy football running back. He's 29 years old, and we know that in a sample of 275 running backs, the oldest player to, t- to get at least 150 carries, so volume and snaps, um, was 28 years old, right? So he's outside of that. Maybe only one year, but he's outside of that. Can you, um, say, that, can you say that one more time? Yeah. So in a sample of 275 running backs from 2004 to 2014, the oldest running back to get at least 150 carries was 28 years old. Really? Yeah. That, so that, that's be, such a shocking stat to me. So it's between the, they were, so they had an average age, right? I think the average age was like 26. Right. And the standard deviation was, no, it had to have been 23 because the standard deviation was, was like three years or something. But basically gotcha. it was that, that, that stat, right? So whoever got at least 150 carries, they were between the ages of 22 and 28. Wow. Because of the standard deviations, right? right. So right. you're really getting to the far extremes once you got to 22 and 28. And that's where he's sitting. So he's at 29. You also know because of work done by Adam Harstad that running backs, once they hit that ceiling, once they hit the proverbial wall, it's like they're going along, chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, chugging along, and then boom, they just fall off and they're gone. And they very rarely, if ever, I don't like, I think Adam actually said like, 
it's not only rare for us to see a bounce back, it's, it's never been documented that there's a big bounce back. I think we might just have seen the end of David Johnson. And instead of saying like, oh man, yeah, David Johnson didn't perform because of, you know, the high ankle sprain in the back, we could, be, we could say like, David Johnson didn't perform and he had a high ankle on the back. That's why the fall off was as precipitous as it was. So I, I'm just, I just think that he's done and I hope I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but when it comes to like upside again, I don't see a lot of upside in David Johnson. That's super interesting, man. That's a, that's really, that's a really, that's really good insight right there because yeah, I mean, he didn't look great in 2018 either, right? It's not like this came out of nowhere. Right. Uh, you know, the fact that he was playing in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, you know, there was a lot of space, right? Um, they were, he was, they were going four wide. A lot of the defense was focusing on those receivers and they had to go into nickel dime packages and, you know, they weren't really focused on, on the running back. So I can see why he could have produced from a fantasy perspective before week six, but the injuries just pile on enough where they have to go out and go ahead and get Kenyon Drake. Here's the thing too. And I'll say one more thing. I know we're trying to cover a lot, of, but with David Johnson specifically, isn't it interesting that a team in the Cardinals who knew from like week two, they weren't making the playoffs. They weren't beating the, they weren't beating the Rams. Right. <laughs> they weren't beating the Seahawks. They weren't beating the 49ers. The, the Cardinals knew pretty early on. They're not making the playoffs. And Cliff Kingsbury was pretty set in the idea of like, we're planning for the long term. So why would he look at an, an injury that would in theory only limit David Johnson four to six weeks? Why would he say that? Why would he see that, that it's an injury four to six weeks, a high ankle sprain, right? Assuming and say, Oh, I'm going to go and trade for Kenyon Drake to win now. Right? right. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Like why would he panic over a four to six window? If he really thought David Johnson could still give him more, next year that's sure. sort of like the view because they, he sees them every day in practice right we see them on Sundays exactly. he sees them every day he talks to them he talks to the to, to the position coaches he knows what's going on he's in the know so it wouldn't make sense for him to trade for another running back if he thought that David Johnson could still contribute more in the future right exactly and, and it, man if that doesn't work out for Bill O'Brien I don't know what is I don't know what is going to do it for him man I don't know what I don't know what is going to get him canned but this looks like be, it, it, this has to be the move that does it. This has to be it. Okay. Anyway, uh, going moving forward, let's talk about some wide receivers. OBJ, you know, he seems like the perfect post hype grab this year to me. Um, he might not like. I don't know. I'm not really. There's a lot of guys going around where he's going that I like. Um, this year, he might not get a, like a shit ton of volume, but Baker has a chance to be more efficient. And this offense, I think, favors a downfield threat. You know, off of play action and all that more than, you know, these short to intermediate type of targets. It seems to me like, you know, he's back in a more like complete type of way where his body is potentially back working together as a whole, you know, at least according to his vlogs that he puts on YouTube. And he seems to be looking good in camp so far. I think his upside is worth going after. Um, but I'm wondering if like the sports hernia surgery can affect his production this year and, and, and how you view his, his overall injuries. Because he's been, he has some nagging stuff, you know, over the past couple of years. No, man, I'm, I'm all in on OBJ this year. Um, in a study by Dr. Gosh, Robert Frost, I believe is his name. Um, I don't know why that name, maybe that's like, I'm making that name up. I'll have to find Robert it. Frost sounds like a guy who it's like, like an author, wrote, right? Right. wrote children's books, right? <laughs> yeah, he did. Why am I thinking of Robert Frost for now? I have to, I'm looking it up right now. But it. anyway, in this <laughs> study, I swear it's a similar name, right? So it's, yeah. the study is in NFL athletes. 
aha, his name's Jack Robert. And I was thinking of Robert Jack. I mean, close Jack Robert honestly sounds like another children's author. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> so he was, uh, let's see here, him and his colleagues, they did a study on 56 NFL players that had this surgery for sports hernia that what they found was that essentially players come back and have no further issues. They, are, they perform at the exact same level they did before the injury even happened. OBJ was suffering from that injury the entire year. Uh, there's honestly not much more to say. Like, I'm all in on him. He's a third-round pick with first-round talent and upside, and I'd rather take that upside than go with somebody else. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly, right? I mean, he's, he's a post-hype guy. Like, he was going in the first round last year without any knowledge of how this offense was going to run. There's a ton of ups, upside and a ton of, like, hype around that whole Browns team going into last season, and now there isn't. And now there's a chance that that offense can be a little bit more efficient. Um, and then you have, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, who might, who may or may not be ready for week one as well. So, you know, I'm thinking that OBJ can potentially uh, get a lot, you know, have a, have a big bounce back here uh, this season. Um, now, Amari Cooper, what's up with Amari Cooper? He had a foot sprain, an ankle sprain, a quad strain, a knee sprain, and that was all in one season last year. So I know, by the way, I think he went vegan too last year, last year, right? Not to say all that had to do with that, but like, how does one get all these injuries in one season? Are they related? Can they be, you know, what does his future hold? What, what are you thinking? And by the way, I'm drafting Michael Gallup, but I'm just wondering, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering what, what you think about Amari Cooper. So the thing about it is there's a t- only 2.3% of NFL games can I stop you for free. one second? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem like any any football player gets you more frustrated than Amari Cooper. I just, I just, <laughs> yeah. just it's so true. <laughs> so true, man. It's so true. It's like how do you how do you win me a week and then lose me a week like in two consecutive weeks? Like <laughs> the guy is is something else. Like he's a piece of work, but he's obviously got the talent. The thing with him is he he fell victim to the fact that, like I was saying, only two point three percent of NFL games are injury free in the first place everybody gets hurt. And sometimes the same guy gets hurt over and over and over and over. And all of his injuries were contact related. And he's had plantar fasciitis since college. We know that. So those are all the issues that he ran into last year. And even though he had all those issues, like the plantar fasciitis might be why over the long haul, chronically, why he's so inconsistent. I'm sure there's a lot of psychology behind it. But like, when it comes to last year's specifically, he had he just got like, rammed in the knee like two two or three times and then turned an ankle or something like he just had bad luck and he fell victim to that 2.3 percent injury free stat so i'm not from a health perspective i'm not you know in on amari cooper necessarily um i think that he can win, win you leagues um wait did i say from a health perspective i am in on him but i'm saying from like a fantasy perspective Overall, it's yeah. like god he's so inconsistent like i'd like to see the standard deviations on on his games and see how like how much he fluctuates game to game oh yeah it's a ton and uh michael gallup was more consistent than he was last year and he had a he had he, he himself i think had a mcl tear didn't he uh he had so he had like a articular well, cartilage damage so essentially okay. the inside of the knee the cartilage on the side of the knee they had to go and clean it up was that a meniscus or or no so it, it can be. So articular okay. just means like where it connects. So okay. it could have been like part of where the knee joint sits like that. It could have been just any of the cartilage along the bones or yeah, it could have been part of like the meniscus in between. So it could Not have been sure. any of those. Any of Yeah. That he was back in like, I think two weeks. Um, yeah. And he was about two or three weeks. That, that scope is, is uh pretty routine. It's it. pretty, pretty relatively minor procedure. Got it. And he came back like that week and he just like killed it in week five. Um, 
Okay, now moving on, uh, I want to talk about two Ravens, Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown. Um, let's start with Andrews first. He was dealing with a bunch of injuries last year, foot sprain, shoulder sprain, knee contusion, and ankle sprain, and he still finished as a tight end three. Um, tight end five, and if you look at it, points per game. But uh, he's someone who was able to kill it despite his injuries, right? And obviously Hollywood Brown shares that sentiment. But he, he you know, Mark Andrews, you know, is he someone you look at and say, wow, like imagine – what he can do if he's like completely healthy. And, and obviously this will segue into to Marquise Brown, who played with the screw in his foot, you know, got that screw out now, right? And still managed to produce at some level last season. How, how, how do you look at these two guys? So Andrews was on the injury report quite a bit. Yeah. And I thought that was a little interesting. He's like 287 pounds and like six foot five or so. He's a huge guy. So foot and ankle issues are kind of par for the course for him. Um, I, I think there's a chance that he, that could go away this year. I think Mark Andrews was there also, and I, I don't mean to like step out of my lane a little bit when it comes to like beyond injury analysis, but I think he had a really high touchdown rate. Somebody on Twitter said that to me. He did. Um, he had, yeah, he had a ton of touchdowns. And if you, if you even bring his touchdown rate down to the average league average, um, his numbers come down quite a bit. So I don't know how much of that had to do with his foot and ankle, but if we start to see him on the injury report over and over again, again, like two or three weeks in a row, um, maybe consider if you're in a redraft league selling high after his next game, because um, it's, he's just a big dude and big dudes like that are more likely to have Liz Frank um, and, and Jones fractures, Joan fracture type injuries, if that makes sense. So it's something to watch, but it's not anything that I would necessarily shy away from immediately. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I'm probably not drafting him where he's being drafted. He's kind of in that no man's land for me, like when it comes to tight ends. Um, but what about Hollywood Brown? What, what do you think about him? Obviously, you know, his upside is, is through the roof. Um, and what I want to know personally is, you know, how big of a deal is a screw in your foot, right? I, I mean, listen, like a screw in your foot to me is like, oh, wow, that's huge. But I want to know, like, what that means when it comes to being an athlete, right? I, I'm, a, I guess you could say a two out of a 10 when it comes to being <laughs> anywhere close to an athlete. Uh, but, you know, I think my, my prime was, like, junior high school basketball. Um, <laughs> but that's about it. So, like, I just, I'm just curious with, like, what your thoughts are there. Yeah, so the thing with, the, with Hollywood is, like, he is so damn athletic and still averaged nine fantasy points per game as a rookie wide receiver in an offense with low passing volume. And he also played through that list Frank uh, issue. The, he had surgery in 2018. Came, or 2018 or 19, and then played the whole NFL season in 2019 with that screw in his foot. We know that the, the studies, there's a study done. I'm not going to try to name the author off the top of my head again because I'll botch <laughs> it. Um, I think it's Singh, actually. But they found that essentially um, 20, there's a 21% drop-off in productivity in NFL players who have Liz Frank, Liz Frank in the first year back from Liz Frank surgery. Part of that is probably because of the screw in their foot. He was on the injury report seven times because of uh, the, the screw in his foot with a foot and ankle issue. So I think with the foot and ankle issue out, with him up 10 pounds, gaining like one and a half pounds per month since their last playoff game, I just, dude, I'm in love with Hollywood Brown. I think the upside is, is like top 10. Um, Graham Barfield actually tweeted out uh, yesterday. He said, everybody on Twitter is always looking for the next Tyree Kill, and the answer right in front of your eyes. His name's Hollywood Brown. Right. And I, dude, I, I'm taking him everywhere. Yeah. I, and I hear that, man. Like it's, it's, I, I want to know 
you know, and, and for him to make such a big jump from his rookie year, like I, I can totally see it and I want to. And I hope that you – know, I think that this offense can potentially become just a little bit more pass – not pass heavy, but less run heavy, right? And it can get to a point where, like, he's going to be the number one. Um, you know, he's going to be available more. I think he only played, like, on, like, 40% of snaps or some, something like that. And he still managed to do his thing when he was on the field. Um, and then, and then they haven't really added too many pass catchers. The he, Lamar Jackson doesn't really throw to the running back. So a lot of things can stay the same, you know what I mean? And he could just, his sky is the limit. So if those targets can improve, if he can be on the field more, I think, and, and then on top of that, you have Lamar Jackson potentially improving as a passer, all, all, all that can happen. Um, you know, for me, you know, one hesitation I have is like, you know, I look at a guy like Darius Slayton you know, who was a little bit of a one-trick pony last year, who was doing, who, who was very productive as a rookie. Um, but when it, com- when it comes to, like, projecting on who I think will be great in that offense, you know, I look at guys like Stone Shepard and guys who, who, who might out-target him. Um, and, and how do I, you know, obviously, I think Marquise Brown is a better route runner and all that. And will he be used that way? Or will he just be used throwing it deep um, and that sort of thing? We have to depend on that 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 type of production right that's my only uh, that's fair my only thoughts behind that but anyway you know it's just something that I, I personally want to look into more because every time i see you know scott barrett or like you know or graham barfield talk about this dude i literally go into my notes and i'm like look into this more what are you missing <laughs> like just right just don't and, and like they said don't overthink it right and I, I and i have a problem doing that so that's something that I got to look into. I'm just going to take their word for it and just drop them everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question, man. Are you out on T.Y. Hilton? Are you out on A.J. Green? Um, it seems like these guys – and maybe I'm wrong for putting them in the same category, right? These guys are constantly getting hurt. You know, both Hilton and Green, they already suffered from some sort of hamstring injury so far in camp. Uh, we know what kind of players these guys can be, especially A.J. Green. But should I even bother? Like, to me, it seems like just don't bother. Uh, you know, it's going to, I feel like it could be a headache for both these guys. I think that, I think that you have to view AJ Green as like, yeah, AJ Green's kind of in that category for me that I'm like, should I even bother? Um, yeah. T.Y. Hilton's getting there. I think that the knock on T.Y. Hilton isn't necessarily like the dude's always hurt necessarily. I think it's just like his body's breaking down. He's 30 years old. He's got noodle arm rivers as his quarterback now. Mm-hmm. I, it's just one of those things where I think that people are, I think this is a situation where name brand is always, you know, sticks in people's head right. when, why would you take a wider? And this is, I put this in the, uh, the fantasy points article that I did for AJ green. Um, I did it in the injury discounts too, but I talked about his age and how his age is like age is something I think that I've been really leaning on this year the, for the first time. And I feel like it's because it's reasonable to assume that age does affect a player's, outcome in the end because athleticism comes in shades or like it comes in in bits and pieces when it when you're at this elite level like even the you know even the the smallest amount of of athleticism matters and once you're 30 years old that starts to deteriorate so basically what I'm trying to say is that when it comes to age here are the the players who are older than the entire list wide receivers that are older than AJ Green Manuel Sanders Deshaun Jackson Julian Edelman Danny Amendola Ted Ginn Larry Fitzgerald that's it. Those are the only, those are the only receivers, receivers in the NFL that are older than AJ Green. Like, okay. And are you taking that Emmanuel a, Sanders early? Right. No. That puts a lot of perspective into all. Yeah. Are, are you taking Julie? Are you even taking Julian? Like Julian Edelman's probably a dude that's going the highest there. And even right. then it's like, are you taking Julian Edelman before the seventh, eighth round? Like, exactly. 
Danny Amendola is obviously Danny Amendola. Larry Fitzgerald, we haven't been drafting Larry Fitzgerald before the 10th round for like five years now, I feel like. So anyway, it's all just to say that I think that, that AJ Green is closer to that category of like, don't even bother necessarily. Yeah. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hear you. And both of these guys, like, you know, that, you know, the Bengals have a guy like Tyler Boyd, right. And who, who, who you should be looking at. And he's going later. He's going a couple rounds later than AJ Green. And it's like, you know, I'd rather take Tyler Boyd there, right? And even in, in Indy, like, I'm, I'm big on Paris Campbell. Like, I'm a big Paris Campbell guy. You know, both of them in the slot. You mentioned Noodle Arm Rivers. And I just feel like that's where he'll be looking on the field, right? Not necessarily the more intermediate, two deeper routes that T.Y. Hilton might be running on the outside, right? That, that's that's kind of how I look at that. But um, now, Evan Ingram. Like, I've been looking at Evan Ingram. In the beginning of this offseason, I wasn't really looking at him too much but then I'm like all right well I'm in the seventh round right and I'm thinking wow like this can turn out to be a great value right I'm usually a late round tight end guy for the most part or I'll grab a tight end super early if I want to grab an elite one but if I can get an elite talent you know an opportunity because Ingram does have a chance to if he plays he does have a chance to lead that team in targets um, sometimes I'll take a guy early enough at a value right he hasn't been able to stay upright for an entire season yet, uh, but are his past injuries indicative of future ones? They can be. And so here's a guy who's on the opposite trajectory of Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown's coming back. It's going to be his second year after the list, Frank. He had the screw removed, and he's ready to roll. And Evan Ingram is in the opposite uh, position where he's in that year where you see a 21% production dip. And so I get it at tight end. It's really hard to say you should fade X, Y, or Z guy. But I am saying if we're talking full range of outcomes again, like, you have got to understand what you're getting yourself into with Evan Ingram is that even if he does play, it's, it's not guaranteed a slam dunk that he feels great and that he's going to perform. Right. So his ceiling I think is a little more capped um, than, than most players is simply because of that list Frank issue. And so that's something I worry about. I also worry about the fact that he's had two concussions in the last couple of years. So is it indicative of future injury? It doesn't have to be, but he definitely has more injury mileage than somebody else. Like somebody say like Hayden Hurst or something like that. Hunter Henry, maybe even. So that's, you just have to know what you're getting yourself into with Evan Ingram. Yeah. I just look at him and look at him. And like if he was healthy, he might be like a top three tight end in the league, uh, maybe higher uh, just because of how good he has been when healthy, especially his rookie year. Um, but yeah, so I, it's just interesting to me that what his upside can be. But if you said that, you know, with his type of injury, typically, you know, there's more than a 20%, uh, you know, reduction in, you know, potential, you know, potential reduction in production, potential reduction in production. I love that. That's great. I'm just going to put yeah. that on loop and put that shit on TikTok. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, make an audio for it. Right, right. I'll just, uh, I'll put a sign up for TikTok tonight. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I hear you though. Like it, 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 this year may be not the year, right? Um, and do you, does he have a screw in his foot? Does he have, is it, is, is, is it Liz Frank, right? Yeah. If he had an ORIF and it, they wanted to place, they wanted to pin it, yeah. I would assume it's hard because we don't get the actual surgical reports like we would yeah. in real life. Um, I assume though, that's what's going on with him. If he, if they did come out with surgical reports, like that would be, that would be your shit, right? Like you'd be yeah, all, hippo all, though. All in that. <laughs> I wish. Oh yeah. I'd be breaking those down. I'd have like all, all of those surgical reports broken down, but you know, as, as Ezekiel Elliott would say, HIPAA. Right. You see right. That when he got COVID. <laughs> That's literally what I just thought of that tweet. I literally thought of that. That's yeah. Um, the context that he put it out of it was kind of weird, but yeah, I, I get what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
Now, I, I don't, <laughs> I hate to ask you about Will Fuller. Like, this is probably like, I don't know if this is the most annoying question that you get or most annoying player you want to talk about, but no, no, no. Uh, I'm going to take him in a lot of drafts anyway, like because of his price and upside. Like, I think the potential five weeks he can go off for me. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Is there a world where Will Fuller can stay healthy for close to an entire season? You know what? This is, I think this is the first podcast that I'm saying this on, so you should, you should uh, be excited about this because I've been saying no Today, I saw the report from Roto World where Deshaun Watson said that he thinks Will Fuller is going to pull out. And then I read that Will Fuller, I guess he balked up. He hired a new personal trainer. He, he overhauled his entire strength and conditioning and diet. That is the type of talk that I, as a physical therapist, you know, going to be certified strength and conditioning specialist next month. Like, as when I hear that, I'm like, if there's anything that's going to change this dude's current trajectory when it comes to physical health and injuries it's that it's hearing that so it, when you say is there a world I think yesterday I would have said I don't think that world exists like now I think that that's a possibility it's not I'm not it's not a slam dunk but he's putting himself in the best position to do that and if you can get him in like the ninth tenth round I I think I'm down with that man because I, I really if the dude can stay healthy I mean he is out of this world so he's someone I'm willing to take he's someone I'm willing to take a flyer on now yeah, no, I hear you. And and that's interesting because, you know, when you hear something like that, like you're like, all right, well, he's not doing the same stuff that he was doing before. He's trying to he, – he, first of all, he acknowledges the problem, right? He acknowledges the fact that he can't stay healthy. Now he's going into a situation where he has a chance to be the wide receiver one for his team, and he has legit competition in Brandon Cooks, so he has to do something, right? DeAndre Hopkins is gone. And he has a real opportunity here, and he he's not letting it go. So um, I appreciate that 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 context because it, I I didn't know that you know I didn't know that he overhauled um, you know that process and he kind of changed that up. So that's good. That's good to know. Uh, now I'm going to take him around earlier. All right. So <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> uh, Debo Samuel, um, you know he you know he's supposed to come back uh, you know a couple weeks into the season potentially. John Lynch said that earlier and then he says like he, he'll be back week one Debo does uh but then I think he got shut down again I think by maybe Kyle Shanahan or somebody but um now is, it's can he be himself like right off the bat like when he is back let's say he's back week three week four something like that um is he worth I, it's a two-part question is he worth drafting a and holding for a couple of weeks b can he be can he be himself from he's a risk, right? So I dropped him close to the red light tier in my fantasypoints.com article of my wide receiver tiers. He he's 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 a risk because players his age in his position, after they suffer this injury, they're objectively at a higher risk to refracture and to create a refracture in the first place. So he's a risk. But when it comes to can he be healthy, I think so. It's gonna take a few weeks for him to get into football shape and really get get himself rolling and going. But can't, is he worth drafting? In my opinion, yes, because his ADP just keeps you know plummeting. Yeah. Uh, I still think there's a chance he's ready by week one. They haven't said they haven't put him on the reserve pup yet. When they put him on the reserve pup, that's when you know he's going to play. He's not going to play at least the first six weeks. But I think there's a chance he plays within the first few weeks of the season still. Um, and I think that he can get there, and he might be a value in drafts if he can if he doesn't have a refracture. Right. I, th- I think the main thing with him is like having to tie up a roster spot right for for you know, however long it's going to be. If you know that he's going to be on, on the reserve pub for six weeks, then that's one thing. But another thing to, like, have to, like, wonder when he's going to come back. Can you start him the first week? Maybe just let someone else draft him and then you just kind of, like, shoot a trade offer for him or something like that. 
um, especially if he doesn't perform quite as well in the first couple of weeks, which is very possible because if this continues to be a run-heavy offense, it is very possible that Debo doesn't have the type of weeks or target volume that you want him to have right off the bat. Um, so Matt Stafford, right? He's been one of my one of my targets, I guess, late targets this season, just because of his price. It's, it's, it's relatively okay, 10th round sort of thing if you're looking for a quarterback. Um, can I, like, should I have some concern for that back injury? Like, can it be something that's re- 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 that reoccurs? Um, you, know, you know, it seems like he's fine in, in camp now, but is that something that I need to worry about, worry about in the future? I think that I'm not carrying just Matt Stafford, if that makes sense. Uh, I don't want just Matt Stafford. He's 32 years old. This is the second time he's had these thoracic uh, vertebral fractures which is interesting that it's in his mid back, which is thoracic spine and not the lumbar spine. They usually occur in the lumbar spine. Like Carson Wentz's fractures were in the lumbar spine. His are in the thoracic. So that's weird. And this is the second time he's had it. He's 32 years old. I just, it's just, it's, it's, I feel kind of, kind of great greasy. If I were to have only yeah. Matt Stafford on my team as my quarterback, I'm not saying you can't ball out and be good. I just, I would just caution again, range of outcomes. Matt Stafford, the range of outcomes for Matt Stafford is ending the season on the IR again. Once right. you have one, one injury, you're more likely to have it again. He's already had it again, so that just makes him even more likely to get it for the third time. So that's what I feel like. That's what I think with Matt Stafford. Interesting, interesting. Okay. Now, I mentioned Paris Campbell earlier. Two slot wide receivers I'm looking at late. Anthony Miller, Paris Campbell. Uh, Miller had surgery to repair his shoulder, right, after last season. He had a dislocation in 2018. Is there a chance that he hurts that shoulder again? So here's, here's, I missed, sorry, I missed where you went from. Okay. Matt Stafford, Anthony Miller. If you mentioned Paris Campbell, I, I got lost for a second. Yeah, I'm so, sorry. I, yeah. No, 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 you're good. Literally the only link between those two guys were the fact that they play slot and they're going there. <laughs> no, you're good. Anthony <laughs> Miller, right? So is there a chance that he has a, another dislocation? Yeah. It's just as high as it is. Not just as high as it is for Dalvin Cook since Dalvin Cook didn't have surgery. Anthony Miller did have surgery. Uh, but there is a chance. I mean, this is the second Anthony Miller's had at least two shoulder dislocations that we know of. So that puts him in the range of between like 20 and 26% of, of dislocating it again. And that's just the reality. Some people were born loose. Some people were torn loose. Some people are torn loose and then are just loose for the rest of their life. Anthony Miller's that dude. He's been torn loose and maybe he was born loose. He's just one of those dudes that has dislocations and it's just a reality for him. And it's something that you have to take into account when you're taking him uh, as your as your wide receiver two or three. Did he like? Didn't he like uh, dislocate or separate both shoulders last season, or something like that? I don't know if it was both. I remember reading that he he dislocated the same one like four times during the oh, season. Oh wow! Okay. I think that's what happened. Oh wow, that is crazy. All right, so Paris Campbell. Uh, it's to me, it seems like his injuries have been a little unlucky. Hamstring strain in preseason, ab strain in week four, hand fracture in week. Uh, 10 and a, ab, and a foot fracture in week 14. I feel like he couldn't catch a break. Is it, is it, am I right when, when, I, yeah. when I talk about that? I'm all on board. I drafted Paris Campbell in my rookie draft. I took Paris Campbell with one yeah. of my picks. I'm, you just laid it out perfectly. I couldn't even like say it better than that. He's in the injury discount article I did with Scott Barrett, the one that I mentioned earlier, the wide receiver injury discounts. Um, I know it's Noodle Arm Rivers, but from a dynasty perspective, I think that he's a dude that you should invest in. Especially with Frank Wright as his coach, right? It kind of, it just for me, I feel like it just fits that offense really well. Um, okay, so last guy I want to talk about, Preston Williams. Uh, he's coming off the ACL surgery, and this is more of a of a general topic as well about wide receivers in general coming off that ACL surgery. Um, 
from what I've seen in camp, I saw some few videos and from what, you know, reports are coming out saying like, he look, he looks fine. Um, you know, we saw Cooper Cup come off the ACL surgery last year. In, in general, like, you know, this is obviously in the context of Preston Williams. Uh, do we ever have to be worried about, you know, production the year after an ACL injury? Um, I remember Allen Robinson's uh, post-ACL year wasn't great, uh, but he also, didn't, he also didn't have great quarterback production, right? So that's not that he's ever had that. Um, but, you know, just curious about your thoughts about, like, the year after ACL for wide receivers. Yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson, first of all, he's, he's dude's been in like quarterback purgatory his whole career, right? Like he had Bortles. And it's amazing what he could still do, like what he did last year. Yeah, yeah. No, it's amazing. I remember I saw, I remember a video from whatever, like 2018 or something um, that was uh, of Allen Robinson. And it was, it was like a ball that went way over his head and it was Bortles and the camera went from like the ball and then straight to Bortles who's just standing there. Anyway, moral story. <laughs> um, moral story is that, uh, yeah, so Preston Williams, he's had two ACL tears. One was in high school. One was last year. It makes you a little nervous that he might do it again. Like, why is he having two ACL tears? Maybe they addressed it this time now that he's at the professional level. We don't know. Just curious. Um, was it the same knee? It was, it was the opposite knee, I think. Opposite knee, okay. Yeah, which doesn't like – kind of relevant kind of not um but when it comes to production i think what you have to worry about is if he had a hamstring graft if they took the new acl from his hamstring then then that's he's he might suffer from uh you know more strains uh hamstring strains this year that's something to keep an eye on and he's like he's like a yellow light guy i would say i'd keep an eye on him but i don't think necessarily because of his adp that i would i'd fade him right exactly he's, he's going so late that you know he's a potential you know and with me you know Preston Williams, it's not so much like, all right, how is Preston Williams going to do? But it's a lot about Devontae Parker, right? And, and whether you view him as that alpha wide receiver one, you know, now that Preston Williams is back, right? And that's, that goes into a lot of that too. And if we knew that Devontae was the guy, Preston Williams is doing okay, then we might not have – we might not, you know, uh, forecast, uh, you know, uh, an amazing target share for Devontae Parker, right? It could be, uh, you know, more spread out at the top. So that, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, yeah, man, that's it. That's really all. That's the, all I had. Thank you, man. I, I think we, we've gone about an hour or so. So I really appreciate your time. I know how valuable your time is. Uh, thank you for that. You, you've, you've like enlightened me on like, <laughs> I hope so, man. I hope you're not just saying that. Man. No, Be no, nice. Listen, man, like, listen, I do a lot of, um, you know, I look into, you know, all these situations, right. Uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, from a data perspective, from all of that, from watching film, all that, but right? The medical stuff is where like, you know, I have no idea. A professional <laughs> like yourself can come on and like really shed a lot of light on a lot of these situations. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks and, for having anything me. Anything else you want to say? I know that we can find you at fantasypoints.com. Uh, is it FB Injury Doc? Yep. On Twitter FB, at FB Injury Doc. Yep. FB Injury, FB Injury Doc on Twitter. Uh, he has an Instagram too. Are you if FB Injury Doc on Instagram as well? I, I think so, man. I have, <laughs> to, I have to go look at my handle. Yeah, just go to my Twitter. And actually, I do have – so I'll plug my podcast, the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. It's on my Twitter. It's okay. linked to the top of my page. So it's pinned there. You can go check it out. Um, rate, review. If you, like, if you like this podcast, I try to do that in depth on my own podcast. So um, go check that out. Perfect, yes. perfect. You said it was that – can you say that name one more time? Yep, the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. Perfect. Perfect. All right, man. Thank you so much. Check out his work on fantasypoints.com as well. Like I said, it's not just him, even though he, he provides some great articles on, on, on a lot of 
uh, injuries and all that kind of stuff and what to expect from a fantasy perspective. But they have a, just an amazing team there. So it's just worth it. You get this, plus you get all that other stuff from all those other great analysts as well. But uh, thank you, man. Thank you so much. Um, uh, and that's it. That's it. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk soon. See ya.